Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Uh, game 7, uh, first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, Boston and Toronto. That brings back memories, just that that scenario of what happened about five years ago, of course, when the Leafs had a, a significant lead with just a, about half a period left in Game 7, and uh, the Bruins came roaring back. Now, it didn't happen quite the same way yesterday uh, in Boston for Game 7. Uh, it went back and forth, back and forth. The Leafs went into the third period of the lead. There was an early goal to tie it, and then this happened. Whirled around behind, still trying to keep possession, rubbed out there by Kevin Miller. Right back ahead, it's DeBrusque with a step. DeBrusque trying to get it. Right. DeBrusque is able to get it to the forehand, and that's a nasty goal against Anderson. He's going to want that over again. Uh, and from there on in, another couple of goals from the Bruins, one into an empty net, and uh, the Leafs are sent packing once again in a Game 7. Howard Berger, longtime Leaf reporter and blogger, uh, his blog Between the Posts is a must-read, especially the one he did about last night's game. He joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show on CHML to talk about this. Howard, how are you this morning? Well, I'm okay, Bill. Better than the hockey club that I covered for many years and, and its fans, but uh, you know, this, this is a different feel, I think, than uh, 2013, where the Leafs, uh, you know, I thought played well throughout that entire series and obviously should have won that series with the 4-1 to lead in the third period. Uh, this may be a better team than that one in the regular season, uh, more stars on the team, perhaps more potential, but uh, this series should not have gone seven games. I still don't know how it went seven games. The Leafs were so awful in Boston, with the exception of the first period of game five. Bill, they gave up 22 goals mm-hmm. in the four games in Boston. Yeah, I mean, forget about what happened in Toronto. You give up 22 goals in four games to the team that has home ice advantage. I mean, I, I just don't even know, again, how the series went uh, seven games. Uh, and so... This, well, I think one of the reasons for that... Fan, you, you can't be as devastated about this loss as you were the one in, in 2013 if you're a Leafs fan. Yeah. I, I think part of the problem was Tuka Rask took a holiday halfway through the series and, and, and found his legs again last night, I guess. Uh, which I guess was a contributing factor. But you know what? There are some similarities. I mean, if you go back to that 2013 series, James Reimer stood on his head and, and in that whole series and then just kind of ran out of gas in the last part of the third period, obviously. And I, I think, as you wrote about in your blog today, Howard, the same thing happened with Fred Anderson. I mean, he was, I thought, sensational through this whole thing, and it could have been a lot worse for the Leafs, except for some of the exceptional goaltending he gave them. Uh, he just seemed to run out of steam in the third period. You know, he had, um, toward the end of Felix Potvin's career with the, the Maple Leafs, Felix Potvin was the goalie 25 years ago when they, the Leafs had Doug Gilmore and Pat Burns behind the bench and had that uh, couple of pretty good playoff runs in 93 uh, and 94. Yeah, if, they'd, if, they, if they'd called the penalty on Gretzky, they'd have been in the Stanley Cup final. Well, we'll walk one Sorry to bring that one up again. Hours, exactly. <laughs> uh, but Felix Potvin was one of those goalies that, uh, again, toward the end of his career with the Leafs, would make saves that would be on every highlight reel uh, on, on TV uh, for weeks on end. But would let in the you know the the two bouncers from center ice and and it and it, they offset the the bad goals offset the great saves by such a margin so as, I mean it's you you can't even measure the margin that it is so yes there were times where Frederick Anderson was spectacular in this series he had to be the Bruins were the better team even though the series went seven games but the lousy goals that he let in including two last night, completely offset whatever he did uh, in a uh, positive or spectacular way. 
what I wrote about in my blog today. And, you know, it, it's not hindsight because I was writing about it and speaking about it in the last month of the season. I think he was tired. I think whatever he he had in this series was reserve energy. He was overworked by Mike Babcock this season. There was absolutely no reason to use him as often as Babcock did in the final month of the schedule when it was clear that he was tired, and I think that was a major contributing factor. Well, the other uh, element to this, and you wrote about it at the time, Howard, mm-hmm. uh, about and, and in that era, t- uh, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. The Leafs are going to finish in third place anyway. Yeah, I mean, they had a mathematical chance at one point because the Bruins and, I uh, know, Tampa actually had a bit of a slide, yeah. you recall, yeah. in the last month of the season. But it, it really would have taken a miracle for the Maple Leafs to go anywhere but um, uh, third place. And even if they'd gotten to second place, so then you, yes, last night's game would have been played at the Air Canada Center instead of uh, the TD uh, Garden in Boston. Uh, maybe it makes a bit of a difference. But it, it just, everybody that watched the Maple Leafs over the last month of the season, pretty sure that the Leafs are going to finish in third. And it's not as if they had some stiff sitting on the bench that, you know, couldn't stop a beach ball if you put him between the pipes. I mean, Curtis McElhaney has had a kind of a checkered career as a, a failed number one goalie in several locations, including Columbus, uh, from which uh, he was traded to the Maple Leafs. But he was very, very good in a backup role this year. And the games toward the end of the season weren't do or die. It wasn't like you had to worry about making the playoffs as the Leafs have had to worry in just about every year that they do make the playoffs. They usually clinch on the final weekend or the final day. I mean, this was clearly a team that from mid-December on was going to be in the playoffs. And I was writing about it at the time, and I, I just think he was overworked, Freddie Anderson. Now, people can say, well, look at Martin Brodeur. He used to play 77, 78 games a season. But it's an apples and orange situation because Martin Brodeur, with those great New Jersey teams that won three Stanley Cups, he played behind uh, you know, the, the most stringent, the most disciplined defensive system in the expansion era of the National Hockey League. Freddie Anderson was playing behind uh, a team that was allowing the most shots in the NHL. So you can't play him 68 to 70 games. The guy isn't bionic. He's going to get tired. And I thought he was tired in this playoff. I've had nothing left in the third period last night. I'm not blaming it all on him. And I think people are blaming a little bit too much on Jake Gardner. Yeah, he had a bad uh, game last night. But the bottom line is that the goalie had nothing left. And how could he? As as we mentioned, uh, we just played the uh, the call, of course, of the uh, the winning goal. Yeah. Uh, the great Doc Emmerich, who I think is the best play-by-play yeah. hockey guy in the world right now. Uh, and that was Pierre Maguire who j- chimed in there when the goal and said uh, Freddie would love to have that one back. Uh, they were shooting in the five-hole all through the series, and he was able to make that save. That one went right through, and that obviously turned things around. But the Leafs were per- pretty much on the skids by that stage of the game. Yeah, and and, and uh who knows why the third period evolved the way it did. Would the third period have evolved that way again if Game 7 were in Toronto and not in Boston? And you, you do um, uh, claim home ice advantage not to have Games 1 and 2 at home, but in case there is a Game 7. So it's, it's difficult. I, I don't think anyone uh, predicted that Boston was going to outscore the Maple Leafs 4 nothing. In the third period, I'm talking about in the second intermission, I put something up on Facebook in the second intermission saying the Leafs are giving up too many shots. Freddie Anderson is going to have to be uh, you know, unconscious in the third period in order for them to, to hang on. And I think there was some you know, uh, truth to that, and it didn't happen. And so, you know, again, to me, this was not a seven-game series. The Bruins embarrassed the Maple Leafs in the first two games, 
um, quite frankly, embarrassed them in the third period last night. And the Leafs just gave up too many goals. You cannot give up the number of goals the Maple Leafs did in this series. You know, Boston wasn't exactly airtight defensively either, but you can't give up the number of goals the Leafs did in this series and expect to win uh, uh, a best of seven. Again, I'm, I'm astonished when you look at the at the numbers that this series wasn't a five or six game series at the most. But as you talked about in the blog, let's let's you know do some assessment here, uh, and and you've mentioned this off and on through the year. I mean the the the, the power structure at Toronto Maple Leafs right now with Lou Lamarillo and 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 you know obviously with Mike Babcock going in there, I, this was supposed to be a longer plan. I mean they they exceeded expectations this year. They weren't supposed to be this good this soon. So is the, was this just a bonus for them? Well, I, I don't know why why people, and, and no disrespect, though, but I don't know why people um, keep saying that. I mean, the Maple Leafs put themselves in a position where they were able to draft three of the most talented players in the National Hockey League right now in consecutive years. You know, William Nylander, Mitch Warner, and Austin Matthews. Um, you know, you you bring three players like that onto a, a team um, and, and you can't improve and, and really start scoring goals and playing, uh, you know, a good wide open uh, entertaining style of hockey, then there's something wrong. So that's the easy part of the game. And that's the kind of the, the part of the game that the kids uh, enjoy on the pond, you know, in the middle of winter when they're, uh, you know, eight and nine years old. The more difficult part of the game is the defensive Structure. Exactly, and the, and the Leafs haven't had a defensive structure uh, worth anything really. I mean, since Roger Nielsen, God rest his soul, coached the team forty years ago, and I've said it, Bill, and, and you're going to. Uh, I'll let you finish the sentence until the Leafs somehow find a what? A Borja Salming, a Norris Trophy, <laughs> a Norris Trophy defenseman, yeah, that type of a defenseman. They are not going to end their Stanley Cup drought. The Leafs again proved last night and throughout this series and in fact well, all season long when they gave up the most goals in the national hockey uh, most shots in the national hockey league until they find someone that is capable of dictating tempo during the game in other words speeding it up a little bit when the game uh, is too slow and and more must much more importantly slowing it down when things look like they're starting to get uh, out of hand until they find that kind of a defenseman that really can command the back end. And, Bill, they don't grow on trees. You know it as well as I do. This club is going nowhere. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to know. be Bobby Orr. Well, I mean, you, you'd, you wish it was. But there's there's Paul Coffey. Yeah. But but there's lots of other guys. Scott Stevens. I mean, there's a long list of guys over the course of the Boston years. Boston has one right now. Yep. He's not going to win a Norris Trophy, but Tory Krug, has that capability. Yep. Now. He just knows how, you know, he's a good puck carrier. He just knows what to do. Big Chara. He's not what he was seven, eight years ago. He's 41 years of age. But I tell you, if the Leafs had Zdeno Chara, they would have won this series because he still has that commanding presence on the blue line. So the Leafs don't have that type of a player. They've got small defensemen that can skate, that aren't particularly good. Uh, in the defensive zone that aren't particularly aggressive in the vicinity of their own net, or they have guys that you know can play defensively, like Ron Hainsey, who are you know at the end of their careers. Until the Maple Leafs find, and I keep bringing up the name Drew Doughty because he is exactly what the Leafs and about 27 other teams need in the <laughs> NHL. Until they find that kind of a defenseman, and he may be available certainly uh, as a free agent if he doesn't re-sign next year. They're going nowhere. They can keep signing all of these forwards and playing this flashy hockey and, and score all these goals, and they can even have a pretty good goalie. 
as in uh, Freddie Anderson's the best goalie the Leafs have had since Ed Belfour, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Reimer gave them some some good uh, stretches, but uh, you know, since the Cujo Belfour era, Anderson is the best goalie they've had, and we see what happens in a seven-game series. They still give up way too many goals because they don't have that commanding presence on the blue line. Until they somehow draft that or trade for it or find it, and again, it's been four decades since they've had anything that resembled that, this Stanley Cup drought's going to continue. Let me ask you about criticism and and the blame game, and that's inevitable, I guess, when stuff like this happens. Uh, and and I know that you're right. They talked about Jake Gardner, but I, the other guy that seemed to be in the crosshairs of an awful lot of Leaf fans was Austin Matthews, which I thought was totally unfair to put that kind of pressure on him. Well, I don't know that it's unfair because uh, Bill, when he does something well, the praise is effusive. I think way over the top. You know, you remember how I used to cover the team? Yeah, I mean, if they did something well, you say it. If they did something poorly, you say it. But, you know, there's such lionizing of these figures now uh, with with social media in this day and age. So the praise is so effusive from everyone, the people on TV, the people that write about the team, the the, the bloggers, the the, the entire Internet, uh, uh, when this guy does something well or even reasonably well, but we're not allowed to criticize him uh, if he doesn't play well because uh, he's too young and and it's too early in his career. I don't I don't go with I don't go for that. And I'm not saying that uh, what he did or did not do in this series is going to be representative of uh, you know hit the rest of his career. But no, come on, this guy is uh, the number one draft pick from two years ago. He set Leaf uh, goal scoring records for a rookie last year. He would have done the same this year had he not missed, what, 10, 12, 15 games with injury, but he has to be better. And uh, I don't think that's unfair at all to say that. He did not play nearly to the level in this series that he has in his first two regular seasons uh, as a, a Maple Leaf player, or for that matter, in that series last year against Washington that went six games. Uh, against a team that was near, not nearly as uh, as hard to play against as the Bruins. So, you know, to say the guy's a bum and, you know, it's fake what we've seen the first two years, that would be unfair. To suggest that he just did not play nearly as well and has to be much, much better for the Maple Leafs in the playoffs in years to come, that's not unfair at all. Got about a minute left here. I, I just want to touch on one of the other points in your blog, Howard, uh, and about off-season changes. Uh, you, you're speculating that there's going to be a few guys that were wearing the jersey last night that won't be there uh, when they come to camp in September or August or whenever it's going to be, uh, and a, a few free agents. I mean, the, the kids, I think, are fine. If I can quote the who, the kids are all right. Uh, but but some of the veterans, uh, I guess, are, are going to be going on to greener pastures someplace else. Well, James Van Riemsdyk had a, a terrific year for the Maple Leafs. Um, I thought he played okay in the playoffs, but if they're going to sign the three kids at some point, and they've got Marlowe's contract, which is guaranteed at $6.5 million in 2019-20, and they're going to keep Anderson, and they've got to find you know, a defenseman that we're talking about is going to cost them $8 million. Well, they can't keep some of the, these guys that are, are whose contracts are running out. So JVR, I think, is gone. Komarov, for, uh, you know, what he contributed, he's gone. Uh, Polak, even though, you know, Babcock loves him, maybe he'll make him an assistant coach or something. He's <laughs> gone. And, and, you know, I don't know about Tyler Bozak either. I mean, th- these guys have contributed nicely to the Maple Leafs, but they've got to clear the deck a little bit in order to keep the big three uh, financially. And to, again, add that missing piece. And so it's, it's economics in the NHL right now, and, and it doesn't really mix with sentiment anymore, does it? No, it doesn't. And that's uh, the business of hockey, I guess. Uh, the blog is called Between the Posts. Howard Berger, always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Howard.
Okay, Bill, anytime. Talk again soon. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.